You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. And this is our first ever Minnesota Vikings hate week. Fuck the Vikings. What's going on, Cranky Fan? Well, I'm I'm going to say I had uh, Minnesota hate week in 2000 for the NFC Championship game. So this is the second uh, well, for you, but this, this is this is our first. This is the this show's is our first. first together. That is correct. Vikings hate were, week. I think you were three weeks old when that game happened. So yeah, <laughs> I was like thirteen. You were thirteen. Yeah, it was just a pup. I a, yeah, a little baby grump at the time. <laughs> but I don't know for all of you watching on YouTube if you could see what is on my face, and it's not food. It is the return of the playoff beard. I started it. fresh Sunday night after the. Um, you know, after the Eagle game, after the finale, and this sucker is going to grow, hopefully, through mid-February with the combination of, you know, dark and white, because I'm an old friggin' man, but uh, we're just letting it rip. The, 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 the Lucky Beard has had a lot of success over the last 20 or so years with Super Bowls and national championships and, and, and you know, Stanley Cups, so it's back, and uh, hopefully it's long-living. It will it will outshine its color, uh, or outlast its color. Uh, yeah. Th- for for those who don't know, because there wasn't a show then in 2011, we did mustaches. We had the lucky it, mustaches. It was just mustaches, and like I agreed because I think we made that decision at the Christmas party, which was the Washington game that they flubbed. That's right. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, whatever it, we got it. We got to, yeah, we got to change the juju. So, yeah. So we did, we did mustaches and I was like, yeah, this thing. And lo and behold, I had a porn stat, like a oh, 70s we fantastic. God, by, by, <laughs> by February. That was, yeah. I have some well, great we'll pictures up of that myself. picture and we'll put it on the, uh, on the Twitter page. Once, uh, once what sucks is the, I think the only picture of you and me with it is from the Falcons game. And I was sick as a, it was cold. I was not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was excited, so I was pushing through it. But I'm pretty sure I had medicine like that morning. Mm-hmm. And I don't look very thrilled, but that was like that's like one of my favorite games I ever went to. I remember at halftime there was one poor soul Falcons fan sitting in front of us, and mm-hmm. I think he wanted to hang himself from the rafters by that point. And uh, at that point, you know, you know something. If you're that passionate about your team and you've gone through you know, the hort times we have. You don't want to make fun of that guy. You feel for him. It's just you give him that look like, hey, man, I've been there. This one stings, buddy, right? Yeah, this one, you know, something where you're going to think about this one all off season. But uh, I'm sure he thought about it until the, the Falcons blew a 28-3 to lead, to be honest. <laughs> and that replaced that. Well, then you go just jump off a bridge. Then it's, <laughs> then it's over. Um. Sunday at one uh, on January fifteenth at four twenty five U.S. Bank Stadium, the New York Giants will be playing football against the Minnesota Vikings. The cranky fan and I will be in New York City at Mister Purple. Correct? 
yes, we will be at the the uh, the Talking Giants uh, watch party. Uh, we'll be there with Bobby and Justin and you know ninety eight other of our uh, good friends. Um, I feel. I feel like it's an event where we need to watch it with a lot of people. I, I could not watch this game in my apartment by myself. I would just, uh, I'd be pacing the apartment. I'd probably dig a hole through down to the floor below me. We need to watch this together as a, a giant family. And um, yeah, so uh, I am looking forward to that. I'm sure we'll get there early and uh, we'll, we'll hang out. Enjoy gi- so, giant, giant football. Yeah. So, I mean, what's interesting is that I would rather, because in my in my heart and in my head, I'm going to be pacing and uh, nervous and anxious, but also excited and mm-hmm. angry. Um, and normally, I would say I would prefer to be home for this kind of game or at a game, obviously. But I would prefer to be home and just be that manic version of myself where no one can see me or have to see me that way. But... I thought about it, and this season is just very special. Um, none of us expected to be here. Nobody. I mean, no. some people may have guessed our record prediction. Some people may have guessed 10 wins, 9 wins, something like that. But to rip off all the wins right at the beginning of the year, to have a Coach of the Year candidate, to be talking about contract extensions for both Barkley and Jones, to be going into Wild Card Weekend – confident that against a rematch against a number two seed nobody expected that and that's special because this is a rebuild and this this year everything is a bonus this is all gravy this is all gravy when we get into this game and we talk about what where the giants are lacking that's because that was just kind of you know the uh the necessary you know to to field a, a playable team and let's hope that we can just eke out some wins with it no they're all over the nine, seven, and one. They're here. They're here. Yeah. And nobody wants to play them. I mean, it's, it, you're right. And we are the hip pick for this weekend of, uh, you know, you watch all the talking heads and, and, you know, the they're like, yeah, you know, that's a team I don't want to play right now. And, um, you know, one of the things we talked about last week was, you know, do you rest all the starters? Do you, do you want to kill momentum? Well, if you think about Minnesota right now, They've known they've won the NFC North for a long time. They've known they've been locked into the two seed for quite a while. They didn't play much of anybody last week. They basically been on cruise control for about a month. So, you know, we had a critical game, you know, in the last couple of weeks. We, we took this one week, you know, sort of off, but we still played with an intensity of trying to win. So I wouldn't be worried as much about us being sloppy or, or or you know rested and losing momentum and all that well look across the uh the field to that team and see if can they turn it on after being in the kind of blahs for quite a while speaking of blahs uh they got smacked by the packers mm-hmm. just absolutely bitch slapped um immediately following winning against us with a ridiculous field goal yeah. That I'm pretty sure they were not expecting to hit. It was a game that was, you know, you take away that. They won it because that game was pretty much even. And think about, you know, where each of these teams are since December 24th. One team is getting guys back. 
one team is losing players. That's true. So let's get into this injury report. Giants injury report is the best it's looked in quite some time. I mean, the IR list still sucks. That's not going to get better. But John Feliciano and Xavier McKinney were both full participants in practice today, Thursday, uh, with a back and hand issue, respectively. The people that need to be watched the most, Leonard Williams with a neck injury, Evan Neal with the ankle injury, Aziz Ojolari with the ankle injury, and Adoree Jackson with the knee injury. Those guys were all limited. Um, Let's talk about Evan Neal first of that group because he has been struggling lately, and he's had a you know kind of an up and down rookie year, and this is the first time we've seen him on the injury list in, in a while, right? No, um, I don't think he was on it last week or the week before. Right. I don't think he was on the injury list last week, but he did suffer, I want to say, like week seven, something like that. Week, week, right. But he's been week he's 11, really so, struggling like in yeah. the last couple of weeks. So do you feel better about, no, forget even this week. We've been talking about, you know, the progress of Evan Neal and the development of Neal. Do you feel a little better knowing, well, Maybe he's hurt, and that explains a lot of this, as opposed to, you know, rough end of the year, any doubts you might have about his development, or you don't have those really doubts, and it's just a rookie playing in his 15th and 16th games and, you know, hitting that wall. I don't have any issues with him having, like, a bit of a rocky rookie year. I think the issues that he's shown this year were exactly the issues to expect. So it's not like I got blindsided with some weird thing i i will say i don't feel better about the injury i mean might explain why it's looked like maybe it's not as bad as it's looked because of the injury but to me the injury sucks because that just limits his development in year one to me Mm -hmm. that just i don't want to say it holds him back but i don't think he'll develop as quickly uh when he has to play through an injury right I mean, yeah, I agree. That that's kind of how I, I feel. I feel nothing about the way uh, Evan Neal struggled this year. I think it's all fine. It's all correctable, and he's a rookie. And yeah. they're kind of the things we were expecting. Yeah, I my first initial reaction when I saw him on the list was actually a, a little bit of relief, kind of like, okay, that explains some things. So, you know, he's I can gonna, see that. I understand. You know, that. and again, remember, limited means amount of reps he took is limited in practice. It doesn't mean. His arm is limited in how much it can move or his ankle or anything. It's just, you know, a designation of, you know, his level of practice during the week. He may come out on Sunday and be, do everything that, you know, play all the snaps he normally would have, you know, played. And he's really the main one on offense. Now, offense is fairly healthy with the exception of, uh, like, Sterling Shepard. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, and yeah. we've already... Kind of- and uh, Wendell Robinson, but those guys are long gone. You know? Right, exactly. And it's actually something that, you know, they've been gone for so long that I just come kind of completely forgot about Wendell Robinson and thinking about next year, like, oh, we need to get wide receivers. Like, oh, yeah, we have our second round draft pick coming back who I just forgot about for two months. So, yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of an interesting question. As I've, nah, This is sort of a tangent, but as I've done like some – prep work for the draft i'm like looking at these guys i'm like yeah but this is kind of like a wandale robinson clone and then i'm like well do we want two of those we might want two of those and like also like when is he coming back because he tore his acl fairly late in the year and it's gonna be a very interesting off season for that kind of thing 
And also, if I can get a better version of him, I'll get him. That too. Although yeah. that the game he got hurt, he was playing out of his mind, which oh, sucks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know something, we also we had a better version of Wanda Robinson before before we traded him, and it doesn't stop oh, you from. God, no, 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 no. I was not I was not going down that road. I was actually <laughs> saying like just because you have someone who fits the model or the uh, you know the blueprint of something, that doesn't mean you're just not going to get another one of them if you think that will help your team. True. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, as, Sorry, as, I don't want to start a war. No. <laughs> I was just, I'm, I'm just teasing you. Um, <laughs> it's spoken even by Jerry Reese, who took a lot of criticism for drafting Jason Pierre-Paul in the first round in 2010. Mm -hmm. I want to say, mm -hmm. um, when you know, it was like, oh, I remember the jokes. The Giants are going to field 11 defensive ends on mm -hmm. defense. I remember it, and. I don't think anybody regrets that draft pick. No. Especially no. when, you know, like Matthias Kiwanuka was supposed to be like one of the arguments for why you don't. It's like, is he that good? OCU Minura was like in his like millionth season at that point. He only stuck around for a couple more years after that. So it's, it was definitely a, me, a perfectly fine pick. Just on JPP, just a quick tangent. Is he Ring of Honor worthy? I say no. I agree. I mean, the year he blew his hand up, the argument – that was his contract year. And the Correct. argument was at that time he only showed up really in 2011. That mm -hmm. was like statistically speaking. Now, I think that he was more than that. But but remember – you know, I mean, it's not like he came into the league and then had a, a dominant 2011 and then stayed dominant. That didn't happen. Right. But you remember – Sometimes you get into the ring of honor and you become a giant legend based upon, you know, your your romanticized thoughts of him and memories of a guy. And he sounds like one of those guys that, you know, like a Paul O'Neill for you Yankee fans. He's like, you know, good, but he's not retired number level. And I, well, I, feel I mean, like, you asked me, so yeah, I, I agree you. with you, though. Yeah, yeah I, I my rule of thumb, I'm always a very harsh grader when it comes to. Ring of Honor, retired numbers, Hall of Fame. If I have to think about it, the answer is no. Yeah, and I for know. him, that's certainly a – when I hear that pause, that's a no. Well, so, yeah, I and I, I think right now I think most Giants fans will tell you no. Um, but I think if you give it 10 uh, – anywhere between 5 and 10 years after he retires, I think they'll soften up. I think a lot of that goes away because he played a significant mm -hmm. amount of time with other teams. Right. But like in five years, if he's in a Nick game on Celebrity Row, there's JPP. He's gonna get a standing ovation. Probably, yeah. He'll get the he'll get like the Justin Tuck treatment. That oh he gets. yeah, well I mean yeah yeah he will. Mm -hmm. Um. I, yeah, I, I don't know though. I still don't. I still like. I still don't think so. But mm -hmm. who knows? Yeah. Bringing us back to defense though, that like I said, Evan Neal, John Feliciano, they're really the only offensive injuries that we have to worry about. And John Feliciano was a full participant in practice today, Thursday. The defense is really where the focus is. Xavier McKinney, another full practice, played a full game last week, just about. Mm -hmm. I think they only took him out when like at the very end. Right. Um, so all eyes are really on Leonard Williams, Aziz Ojolari, and Adoree Jackson, right? And those are probably three of the biggest difference makers we have. All of them got a week of rest last week. Jackson hasn't stopped resting for like <laughs> eight weeks. but He's Rip Van Winkle at this point, yeah. I mean, if you 
if last week was the playoff game, you agree Leonard Williams and Aziz Ojolari play, right? I think if if last week is winning your in, they would have played. Right. Adoree mm-hmm. Jackson, I'm not so sure on, but I honestly think he probably would have. I mean, they were very, like, kind of, maybe, whatever, I'm not sure. And I was saying that I'd like him to get a couple snacks, snacks, snaps to knock the <laughs> rust off. Right. Um, but he didn't. Um, he's still, it seems like it's still kind of dubious whether or not he plays. Gut feeling for you. He plays. I think he plays. And I, I, yeah, I don't think he's going to play every snap, but I definitely think he'll be in a rotation. He'll get, he'll get some, uh, you know, he'll get some run. Yeah, I, I certainly think so. And we're going to, we're going to, when we get into our game analysis, I think one of the things we're going to bring up is something that's an advantage to him. I think that, uh, you know, may not have happened even if we played them the first time. So, well, now on the flip side of the ball, like you were saying, one team is getting healthy, the other is getting hurt. Mm hmm. Since we last met Minnesota, they had to IR their right tackle, Brian O'Neill. Yes. And that is huge. Um, interesting. Our right tackle is limited in practice and center was a full participant. Their right tackle is on IR and their center just came back to full participation today. And, and I'll throw you even more. The, their backup right tackle just returned is clear to play from IR, that doesn't mean necessarily he's going to play either or be 100%. Well, that's my, my thing here. Garrett Bradbury has a back injury that he further tweaked in a car wreck or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I mean, the the focus was if he couldn't play that Dexter Lawrence was going to eat versus a third-string center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now there are, there, I mean, I think I felt the collective sigh of relief from the, you know, the northern regions coming down in the wind because Garrett Bradbury was a full participant in practice. But I I don't know, man. Like, first full participation in practice, and it's like four days before the game. My gut tells me he's not 100%. Oh. I would say probably 85 at best. Sure, absolutely. And, you know, something that... I'm- that's going to be our key to winning this game is, you know, we have a very good pass rush. We have a very good front four. We have a, a defensive coordinator who just loves to bring the house as often as possible. Um, you take away, you know, two fifths of that offensive line. You know, this may be the, this might be what I was saying before is kind of alluding to is where, you know, if a Dory Jackson's not quite a hundred percent or has limited snaps, you know, an increased, pressure on the quarterback and putting and, and putting making cousins run around and get out of his normal rhythm and stuff that will offset any potential you know questions we have in the secondary right now so this this is the game right right here if we can get sustained pressure and keep uh, cousins you know off his mark i think we're going to win this game big i mean when you're lining up against Dexter Lawrence, you better come correct. Mm-hmm. Because we haven't announced this yet. Dexter Lawrence voted to all pro. How about, that? about you, that? You said that a couple weeks ago. You threw, I don't know if you remember this, you made me play a game of guess the defensive tackle. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what did we say at the end of that? That's entering all pro territory. Mm-hmm. I might find that clip because I definitely clipped that and put that yeah. on like Twitter and Instagram. I'll pull that back up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was... Hell yeah. 
Way to go, Dexter Lawrence. It's like the first all-pro I can remember the Giants having in how long. And, and you know something? I it, It's nice that he's recognized because, you know, Leonard Williams is is the name that people know because of the trade and the contract and that whole thing. Also the draft pick. I mean, he was and, and, drafted in the top five, wasn't he? Right. And then also, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau gets a lot of press because he was a high draft pick. He's a, you know, he's a flashy name. You know, he's really come on as a rookie. But the glue of that defensive line is Dexter Lawrence, the guy who's made the most consistently important plays in, in critical spots is Dexter, Dexter Lawrence. And, you know, if this team is four and 13, he's probably not a pro bowler, but, you know, a little bit of attention because of winning, um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that they didn't overlook him and it's well-deserved and a, a, a huge honor. Uh, I was going to say something pithy, but I forgot it. Oh, oh yeah. Just great. that I, I feel vindicated. I know I've said this before, uh, but I feel vindicated because I remember being kind of excited for that draft pick. I didn't expect it. And I, I went straight to my notes and I was like, oh, yeah, I really love this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you go to Twitter and it's like we drafted a two down run stuffer in, in the top 20. I can't believe this. Uh, and for years, that was the narrative for mm-hmm. years. It was at Dexter Lawrence was, and it was like showing people numbers like, I don't know. He's pretty good. Like it's statistically I can throw this right in your face. And now it's a consensus. He's an all pro defensive tackle and yeah. he leads the team in sacks and quarterback hits, I think. Yeah. If not hits, then hurries. Well, you know what it also is? It's a tribute not only to him, but the fact that he's got some really good teammates around him where he doesn't have to be double teamed on every play. I think also the system helps him out a lot. Sure. Offensive linemen not being sure for the split second who's coming or going Mm -hmm. is enough time for him to get an angle advantage, a, a leverage advantage, and just let his strength take over. And his motor, really. You know, I don't want to get into 2023 just yet. But, you know, the decision about Leonard Williams, what we're going to do with his contract and everything. I really would love to see these four guys together again next year with another season, another off year. Um, a, a healthy season. Exactly. And I was going to say, not only having another season in the program throughout the offseason, but having all four of those guys, not the vast majority of the time where they're not all four together, but the vast majority where they are together. Because that jump from year one to year two together and in this system again, and we'll talk about Wink Martindale and what the future may hold for him in a little bit, but uh, yeah, it just, um, you know, again, I am super excited about this weekend. I'm so happy we're back in the playoffs, but in the back of my mind, it's like we've started something that, you know, next year I'm going to go into that season, not happy to be here, but expecting even bigger and better things. Oh, That's am, what we want to be as Giant fans. I am right there with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, really quick, other Minnesota Vikings injuries. Linebacker Brian Asamoa has a knee injury. He was a full participant this week as well. He had a he punched the ball out of Daniel Bellinger on a key drive. Mm-hmm. That if that hadn't happened, I'm pretty Ugh. sure the Giants would have won. Um, and Harrison Smith, big one, knee injury. I mean, he's. Uh, I think he's a former All-Pro safety, is he not? I believe he is. Yeah. Uh, huge, huge thing for him to not be 100%. I, I think that he is mostly resting right now. Um, but nevertheless, if he's in any capacity playing under 100%, that is a massive win for the Giants right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the game itself instead yeah. of just the teams. Where do you want to start, offense or defense? Um, let's start with offense. 
My number one thing, I, I have three main things here. Okay. My number one thing is to help Evan Neal out. He's hurt. Okay. He's been struggling with speed, and he had a bad stretch of games lately, the Minnesota game included. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they can get some chips or just regular help with a tight end, if you can roll out to the left instead of the right, use some wide receiver crack blocks, whatever it takes to help the edge, that's probably going to be the weakest spot on the offensive line. And I know that Dalvin Tomlinson is in the middle for them and that John Feliciano, Nick Gates, Ben Bredesen, yeah, you know, those guys, Mark Lewinsky, they're not the stars of this offensive line. Uh, But I'm still most worried about that edge spot. If they can, running zone reads, that will slow down edge pressure as well. They have to take that extra step and that extra beat before they just close in or else they're going to pay for it. Um, I I agree 100%. I mean, this is the Daniel Jones. You know, everybody has been very excited about him, about, you know, what he can do with his legs, how he's matured this year. This could be a real opportunity for him to really make his mark on a national stage, you know, of the playoffs and everything and really uh, uh, affect this game, you know, doing it, you know, using his legs more out of necessity to, you know, to protect Evan Neal is, is one thing, but just keeping this off, this defense off balance. And he's shown all year, you know, the ability to extend plays, get the first down when necessary. Um, I think this offense is needs to be consolidated down to its two best players, you know, Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones and have them do the yeoman's work. You know, the, this wide receiver crew has been put together with, you know, piss and vinegar and they've done a heroic job, but they are not game breakers. They are not, you know, even some of them, I'm still even worried about their reliability in big spots, but you have two guys right now that are playing at pro bowl and, honorable mention or, or, or uh, levels, the ball has to be in their hands more and they have to do more things. So you led into my next two points. Danny wheels. Uh, I Get Danny on the move and let him improvise as well. What we've mm-hmm. seen in the last couple of weeks is, you know, allowing him to move and to bait defensive backs, coverage guys away to open up throwing lanes and stuff like that. He has hugely improved in that area. Uh, mm-hmm. And we've seen it the last couple weeks. On top of that, make Minnesota guard the run on the edges, the mm-hmm. pass on the move, and the scramble. That is what Daniel Jones gives you. He's a straight-up runner around the edge. He can pass while running. And if nothing's there, he can just straight-up scramble. Make and them I, have to defend all that. They're not that good on defense. And also now, I think Daniel Jones has proven to this coaching staff that they trust him now. You know, there's no training wheels on him, the, you know, He's allowed to make his own decisions more. You know, this is the playoffs. This is now do or die. This is not, well, I'm saving you for the playoffs, you know, that, you know, or I'm trying to save you from the wear and tear of a regular season. This is it. This is the playoffs. Um, and allowing him to, you know, be yourself, you know, make the decisions, be aggressive. I, I think this fits into him having potentially a monster game on the ground and not, I'm not going to predict 150 yards rushing like I did early in the year, but I'm going to predict you're going to see him with more carries and more uh, extending drives, more, you know, third and five, him just taking off uh, third and third and four, third and three, you know, 
taking the ball out of somebody's belly and, and running it himself. So I, I'm expecting to see a lot of carries out of him and not because out of necessity, out of design. Oh, I 100% agree. And my, my last offensive point here is go with the game plan from the last couple of weeks here. Come out throwing, finish running. Put Minnesota on their heels very early with a strong combination of downfield passes and the flat screen pass. Use that mm. Saquon Barkley running to the flat as an extension of the run game. Get him a head start on the edge. Let him do his thing in space. That's what he does best is make people miss. Mm-hmm. Um, hit them with quick slants right off the bat. Then use that to punish them with double moves and Daniel Jones runs. Um and then lastly, once you put them on their heels, wear them down. Run Saquon right up the A and B gaps to put the dagger in them. Use that duo run that they were doing against Washington mm-hmm. at the end of the game to close it out. Just yep. beat them into submission because Barkley does have the unique ability to truck through people as well. He's got thighs bigger than my waist. Um <laughs> That's to me, that's the offensive game plan going into this. But I know that Mike Kafka is going to have some cool stuff up his sleeve. Yeah. What do you think? Two, two points I wanted to add to that. Um, in the last meeting on you know Christmas Eve, Barkley had 14 carries. He had 84 yards, but 14 carries. He also had 10 targets. Um, but you can make an argument at that particular game, there was a little bit of load management being done for him. You know, that wasn't. That wasn't the Washington game where it was do or die. You know, that was a game that, you know, they probably looked at the schedule earlier in the season and thought, well, you know, this game doesn't quote unquote mean as much as, you know, the Washington game would, for example. So my guess is you're not going to see the same game plan you saw with Barkley in that first game. You're going to see a lot more of a heavy dose of Barkley. I expect the carries to be around the 25 to 29 range. Well, I, what I was going to say was, would you consider 20 to 22 carries to be load management still? Because I think probably eight of those 10 targets you could qualify as extensions of the run game. Yeah. Um, eh, maybe a little bit. I mean, again, we, I want the ball in his hands as much as possible, you know, as is nice for you know, all these receivers and what they've done. They they don't have the big play potential um, that this guy does. And just big play doesn't necessarily mean a 50-yard run. A big play means when it's third and four, he's going to get the first down, you know, dependability. So um, that's that to me is, is the key. Is he, It has to be a heavy amount of him. So I, I want to... I want to bring up Kafka because uh, we mm-hmm. have seen a lot of stuff uh, throughout the season. Some adjustments, changes, changes to the offense, how we attack things. Um, he's certainly very good at running something that's very effective and then running variations off of it to just completely confuse the, uh, opponents. Mm-hmm. He has two interviews scheduled with the Texans and Panthers. Just really quick, because I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but like, yeah, are you worried that he's going to take a job this year? As in, you think it's going to happen, and are you worried if it does happen? Uh, no, and no, uh, no, because again, I think this is his first run through the cycle. Um, you know, he's a young guy. 
he's really running. I I would say he's really running Brian Dable's offense. He is. We've seen some wrinkles in the later part of the year, which might be his own, you know, incorporation of his own ideas and stuff. But I don't think he is ready to, you know. I don't think he's the master yet of being over to not only take over an offense of another team, but also be the head coach and everything that's entails with that. So I would say, no, I think he might have an interview or two, but I think this is not his cycle just yet. And the other thing is, you know, would I be upset about it or can I would like him to stay because I more so I want to continue hourly of a second year with everybody together. You know, part of a rebuild is building your team and having another off season with him where nothing has to change. I mean, Daniel Jones has had how many head coaches and how many offensive coordinators in his career? A lot. So it's really more, I want him to be there to keep a solid foundation than him itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. And I agree with you. I would, I would also add, I'm not overly concerned about it happening also because it's this first time as an offensive coordinator, First time ever calling plays and an offense that scored over 30 points just one time. Yeah, I, I was going to make that point as well. It's like, the, let's play devil's advocate a little bit. It's like, this is not the, uh, you know, the greatest offense in the universe. I mean, it's, it is a lot more efficient than it was. It's, 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 you know, but it's still not a great offense. And again, part of that's not his fault because of, you know, the wide receivers we have, the issue of the offensive line injuries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, if I am just the average NFL fan and I'm just flipping around on a Sunday on Sunday ticket and I'm watching the Giants, I'm not like, oh, my God. I mean, Kansas City's offense isn't this good. So I think it's still – I think he's getting these interviews because of the improvement over last year. Yeah, I think, I think honestly they, they're picking his brain. A exactly. Bit. And I think next year you see continued – you know, if Daniel Jones is back, if Barkley is back, we get another lineman – you know, Wendell Robinson's back. We get a receiver and this offense starts to hum and we start, you know, butting up against 30 points a game a lot more. I think he'll more than likely be gone, but that's a, you know, I'm not, that's not a concern for me this year. Right. Correct. Okay. Uh, talk to me about, uh, Daniel Jones and Dan Orlovsky. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, Dan Orlovsky had a power, his own power poll ranking all of the quarterbacks that are starting in the playoffs so we have uh 14 quarterbacks that are starting um and these are guys that are currently starting not guys like Tua who's you know who's injured and is not playing for Miami um Daniel Jones is listed eighth on this list he is ahead of Trevor Lawrence he's ahead of Kirk Cousins he's ahead of Dak Prescott um, he is behind one spot behind Tom Brady. He's behind Lamar Jackson, who hasn't played in forever. And then obviously, you know, you know, the Herberts and the the Hertz and, uh, you know, the, 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 the elite of the elite up top. Um, do you think as of right now, we, we did a thing about a month ago or so where we went through all 32 teams and said better or worse. And we had him about mid pack in the league. How do you feel about, you know, him being eighth on his, on out of 14 that are playing this week and next week. I think that it's about right. Um, and, and it doesn't, I mean, I know I, I don't like Dak Prescott among also not liking the Dallas Cowboys, whatever, but it almost seems like suddenly people realize what I was saying for years 
Uh, Dak Prescott has a whole lot of stuff at his disposal and turns the ball over a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, This year, he had 15 interceptions. That's the same amount of total turnovers the Giants offense had. He had 19 total turnovers, which is more than the entire offense. Um, And he missed like five games. Yeah. So think about that. Um, You know, the Cowboys are playing kind of flat. I don't know that that's necessarily his fault, uh, but he's not elevating them. So, you know, it might be that Dak Prescott is just a guy that's in a in a on a roster that's filled with uh, a lot of offensive help. I don't know, uh, but it certainly looks that way. I, I mean, you look at what Daniel Jones has to throw to, what he has blocking for him. Um, it's certainly a lot less, and he's squeezed just about every drop of water out of the rock as he could, right? Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, he uh, also still does a couple dimwit things. Uh, I mean, I think he had a fumble in the Minnesota game that he recover- uh, Evan Neal recovered. I mean, Josh Allen has a lot of turnovers, too. I mean, it I happens know, but to I mean, quarterbacks. The, yeah. the fumble in question was the same old kind of Daniel Jones thing where he's just not seeing it uh, or not feeling it fast enough, and he's mm-hmm. just still in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not here to complain about that because he has severely reduced the amount of times, the amount of occurrences with that. I'm just saying it's always going to kind of be a thing with him. Sure. I, I think he's going to be in the back of everybody's mind that like, but know. I mean, you know, I, I think at this point now, uh, most of the time we're seeing him feel that pressure and get out of the way. So once mm-hmm. he's running, I'm not really worried anymore. It's the not feeling it that worries me. You know what it's going to be? It's going to be something like every time Richie James goes back to field a punt, everybody in the back of their mind is, don't drop it. Which is so dumb because it was I, two times in the same game and I get that, but it's like. Right, right. So I think there's always going to be some people who are going to in the back of their mind of when, you know, a blindside rush is coming at him, don't fumble. Yeah. Um, question I have for you. Um Daniel Jones is eighth. Tom Brady is seventh. For this giant team in 2022, would you rather have Tom Brady or Daniel Jones as your quarterback? Daniel Jones. And I think it's no question. For this Giants team? Yes. For the mobility alone. I think this team doesn't win the games it wins if they have a statue as a quarterback, whether he's Tom Brady or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say that much. Um, what about you? I'm looking at it, and I'm saying Daniel Jones because I'm looking at it a little like longer picture where Tom Brady is a quarterback you bring in if your window is right now, and that window is probably shutting in a year or two. Daniel Jones is still, you know, it's his fifth year, but he's still on the ascendancy of his career. The Giants are still in that gray area of rebuilding and all of a sudden window maybe opening for playoff success. And I'd rather have Daniel Jones, you know, this year go through this, you know, his first playoff run, you know, get the experience, you know, get that, you know, the the playoff reps. So next year and the year after when he has a better offensive line, he has better weapons. Um, that can be kind of manifested into something bigger and better as they build onto this team. So, and yeah, and to your point also, he does things that Tom Brady simply can't do. He never really could before, but right now, you know, he's a quarterback that is deliberately trying not to get hit. 
So he's his release is super quick, and you know that might not be what this team does to, you know, we don't have a Mike Evans or you know guys like that. So I I agree with you. I mean, for this circumstance in this situation, I'd rather have Tom to Daniel Jones both for this game, this year's playoff, and going forward. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, and that's not that's not even me like with any kind of bias. It's just kind of where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, flipping it to the other side of the ball, I have three points as well. Uh, the first thing is to keep everything in front of you. No big chunk plays. Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson are big play threats. Cook, while he did have over four yards per carry, he didn't really break anything huge in the last matchup. Justin Jefferson was the beneficiary of 12 catches on 16 targets, but never really had a catch longer than 25 yards. They need to lessen the amount of completions to Justin Jefferson, but I think the way they prevented him from a big big chunk yardage plays um, was kind of the right formula for success. Uh, Same thing with Dalvin Cook, because it's one thing to give up like a bomb play, but when it's a run somehow that just hurts more it feels more deflating yeah because it, it feels, feels like, like he ran through 11 wrong. guys versus a, a receiver making some giant 70 yard catches like well he he caught the ball and he ran past the one guy what are you gonna do yeah. um what is dalvin cook's um injuries status didn't he get hurt last week uh well he's not on the injury report so I okay would say so he's fine. then i guess he's okay okay um the other thing hawkinson kind of killed us Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the play in which he scored a touchdown, I mean, he had Mike and McFadden literally running in circles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but where I feel a little bit better about this, and this isn't really so much as like a, I don't know, a key to the game. I just think in general, having Xavier McKinney back is going to help that a lot. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, I, I, I just, you know, I don't know. I mean, part of it is making sure everybody's got the lineup right and, you know, knows who's covering who and who's doing what. Uh, and the other thing is that he's just, he's a, Good coverage safety. Uh, yeah. I feel I feel good about that. I feel good about that matchup. Um, and this is my last point on defense, but it's a huge one. Generate pressure with minimal rushers. Yeah, we yeah. said it already. The Minnesota Vikings are hurt at center and they're hurt at right tackle. That's huge, and they're not that good as an offensive line anyway. Yeah. Um, the Vikings are without those people. Eat those advantages. Overwhelm a hurt center with some A-gap pressure in addition to Dexter Lawrence. Confuse a backup tackle. Bring speed to the backup tackle. And as it is, the Vikings are a good blitz pickup team. We saw that when we played mm-hmm. them. Um, I think you, you're. I think yeah. you just be very strategic and very targeted on when you blitz. I know it's not a... Well, I mean, yeah. we, I know we're not going to stop blitzing, but maybe we oh, don't yeah. need to blitz with seven guys. If we can blitz more with just five guys mm-hmm. and the occasional six guy, generate pressure with less assets, the extra assets will be able to cover the screens that killed us in that game. I think the confusion factor is just as important as the actual getting seven guys on them or six guys up there. Just uh, what are they going to do? And maybe playing them not too long ago might be helpful because – they may be keying on things that we do completely differently this week. So, a hundred percent, yeah, yeah. I, I and to go with that, in that game, uh, like I said, the Vikings were pretty good at picking up blitzes in that game. But there were definitely times where Cousins was under pressure, 
And there were definitely times that he was just blindly throwing in the direction of Justin Jefferson to survive the pressure and just hoping for a catch and generally getting either DPI or just a... Not to take anything away from Cousins because he threw some dots while Mm -hmm. he was under pressure, but he kind of just got lucky that on the back end, we don't have anything great in that matchup to cover Justin Jefferson. So we were either going to get a defensive holding call or he was going to be open. You know, he threw dots, but you know something? The more chance, the more times you put pressure on him, the less likely he's going to throw those dots. And it starts to get into your psychologically, you know, affect you. The, you know, if he's getting beat up all game and he's thinking really hard and he starts thinking, period, that takes away something from a quarterback, too. So I think we have to set the tone early in this game. You know, we have to, I would be as aggressive and as confusing and as intricate on that first series of the game to set the tone that we're bringing the house in a hundred different directions and a hundred different looks and a hundred different schemes. So you don't know what we're going to do the rest of the game. You know, if we come back, we come out of that first drive and he kind of picks us apart. That's going to worry me. But if we can kind of come off and it doesn't have to necessarily even be a three and out, even if it's like a four or five play drive, but he just sees all different things, and we can kind of sense that we can get to this offensive line. I think that's really going to affect a guy like Cousins. Because remember, Cousins has been hearing it, you know, his whole career also, and I'm sure he's been hearing it this year that, like, when was his last playoff win? And for the amount of money he's making, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure on him uh, on Sunday as well. I feel the Giants, we're playing with house money. Yeah, and, I, I, we're coming in here with no expectations, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're the hip pick, but it's not like there's pressure on us because everybody's picking us. It's like, hey, we were the same motherfuckers we're just, that weren't supposed to be here last we're year. We're just so. happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, You are 100% correct on that, and I and I love that idea of coming out just pistols firing. Mm-hmm. Um, And I, I would even say... It would be cool for the first two series if they came out super ultra aggressive and then by the third series and for the majority of the game, not saying take your foot off the gas, but just start doing completely different stuff. Just That's it. Confusion. Throw them off. Yeah. Confusion. Yeah. It's going to be how what's how we play between the ears is going to be almost as important in this game as how we play, you know, with the muscles and the, and the legs and everything. And I think that, you know, we were talking about Justin Jefferson and throwing blindly and whatever. I truly do think that Adoree Jackson is going to play in some capacity in this game. I do not think that when and if Kirk Cousins starts throwing blindly to Justin Jefferson, that will have the same results as last matchup. 12 of 16 for 125 and a touchdown or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I really don't think it's going to be that successful just throwing with your eyes closed to it. Well, first of all, you may not see the 16 if he's playing. True. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there were 16 targets because who was covering him? Darn A. Holmes. Yeah, now all of a sudden, if uh, you know, even if it's an 85% uh, Adoree Jackson, that's different. Uh, you're 100% on. Um, I'm in playoff mode. There you go. Special teams. My one note. Don't need to be the difference maker and that goes in both directions just fair catch the ball just kick it out of bounds just make your extra points just punt the ball stop being cute 
don't try and do it. I mean, we saw it. I don't even know if we mentioned this on the last episode. Last week, they did all kinds of fakes and stuff because the game didn't matter. Every part of special teams sucked balls last week. It was terrible. We can't operate anything cute on special teams. The best yeah. we can hope for is to catch the ball and not fuck it up. That's I it. Felt, I felt they did all that funny stuff for two reasons. I think one was – oh, why is Barkley having a Georgia helmet on? Oh, never mind. Uh, one is – I think they wanted just to try to generate a little something for the offense because it was, you know, completely dead in the, in the beginning of the game. But the bigger thing is, I think they just wanted to put something on tape just to show playoff teams going forward that we have this in our back pocket. Doesn't mean we'll ever use it again. Doesn't mean it was any good when it does happen. But if you spend five minutes in practice trying to, okay, they did this, be on the lookout for this, that's five minutes less that you spent on what really matters, I no, think. That makes sense. In general, though, just as far as special teams go, just we're not good enough. We're not no. good enough. We're not coached well enough for that. Just mm-hmm. just fair catch the ball or just catch it, run, go out of bounds, cover the ball. Just don't, don't be the difference maker. Just don't do it because we're not going to be the good kind of difference maker. Well, that'll can be the, look, the fumble that kills this game. Can you imagine Giants Twitter if back to receive a punt is a Dory Jackson? <laughs> oh my God! Can you imagine me? I might leave the. I don't. You know. might burn the city down if that happens. <laughs> Man, I didn't even consider the possibility. Uh, hey, if I could bet my one dollar to win a five hundred dollars, I'd take that bet. Well, why don't you bet one dollar on a score outcome for this game? Ooh. I'm very excited about this game, Grump. We've waited a very long time. And, you know, if we would have played Philly in the first game or if we were in the AFC, if we had to play Kansas City in the first game, I would have a very dampened, muted expectation and be like, well, I truly am just happy to be here. And, you know, three hours later, this will all be over. But this Minnesota team... You know, we've—I don't know how much we've talked about it on the show, but we've noticed, we've seen the numbers behind the numbers, and Minnesota is a team that is out kicking its coverage. You know, they are perfect this year in one-score games. They've won a few games on last-second kicks. They are just—they got that it this year. That doesn't mean they're better than, you know, one of the elite teams in this league. They are just winning, and you know. We are, we played them basically even on Christmas Eve. You know, with, again, I start, started the show. I said, which team is adding players of importance and which team is losing players of importance? And I think that might be this, the difference for this. Um, you know, we have two rookie head coaches. This is their first, you know, playoff rodeo as, as head coaches. Um, we have a quarterback for the Giants who's never seen the playoffs before. We have a, Cousins hasn't played in a, in a playoff game, I think, since 2019, maybe? 18? Something like that. So there's a lot of variables and unexpected things that can potentially happen once the, you know, the lights are brighter. Um, I think Saquon Barkley's going to have a huge game. I, I, I really do. I think... Uh, we are going to lean on him more than we have in the last month and a half, two months. 
He's our best weapon. We can use him out of the backfield, running the ball, you know, catching those little, you know, things out of the back. I, I think we're going to see some things we haven't seen before in offense. I think we're going to see more of the two running backs back there. Um, I think you might see like a Richie James kind of like an end around or something we haven't seen in a while. Um, I think the key to this is to kind of keep them on their toes offensively and defensively. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think we're going to squeak this game out. I, 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 I think we're going to win a moderately scored game. I think Daniel Jones plays turnover free. I think this defensive line plays out of their ass. I think we win this game 24-17. I think that this game is a win, and I'm not sure that I would feel exactly the same way as I feel right now as if they had won the first matchup. I'm not really sure. I don't know. What do you think about that? Would you feel as confident if they had already won, or would you feel less confident? I'd feel more confident because I felt we built, we beat them already. Okay. Well, I think really what drives me here is exactly some of the things you said. Getting healthier, one team getting not. Hot's hot, cold is cold. The Giants are hot right now. They kind of went through their slump. They had their slump bust against Washington. They busted all over the Colts. And uh, they got a sick. They had a free ride against the Philadelphia Eagles. They are coming out here hot, angry, ready to bury this team. They're ready to just keep winning. They're not satisfied with going to the playoffs. Minnesota, on the other hand, they kind of shakily limped their way into it. And like you said, they've known that they were going for quite a while now. And they've known they've pretty much been the two seed for quite a while as well. Right. I think the Giants come out here, and it may not start real fast on offense, but I think it starts real fast on defense. And I think that there's just a feel to this game early that the Giants are ready and the Vikings are kind of adjusting to whatever the Giants are trying to do. And they're you know, playing catch-up the whole time. We were so happy last week that this team showed fight in a, in a meaningless game, the backups and everything. And that's all I really want to see this week. I want to see... I want to see the aggression from this coaching staff and the players that if, you know, even if we lose this game, you know, they went down fighting and they went down trying to be aggressive and trying to make things happen. So, you know, if we, if we're bringing the house all the time and they beat us because of it, so be it. You know, I'd rather do it that way than just being on our heels the whole game and trying to play a prevent mentality. If we do that, I'm going to be disappointed in, you know, the outcome. But if we, you know, we super wink ourselves on defense and just lay the wood and bring the house and, you know, we are aggressive, but play calling on offense. And, you know, because Mike Kafka and Wink Martindale are, <laughs> this is kind of a job interview for them also. This is their, this is their portfolio. And this is the last thing that some of these head coaching, you know, search committees are looking at. It'll be fresh on their minds. So, um, Now's the time. So let's uh, let's put the stamp on this season. And, and I think let's... they do. I think they put the stamp right on them. I think this one ends – I don't think this is a moderately scored game at all. I think this game ends 30-20. to 20. Uh, And I think, the, I think the defense really punishes the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, maybe Justin Jefferson will have a game or whatever. Maybe Dalvin Tomlinson will rip something off – or Dal Dalvin Cook will rip something off. 
but I don't think. I think maybe halftime there'll be like a like a ten point difference or something after Dalvin Cook does something fine whatever maybe only seven points maybe only three points but I think there's a general feel right from the kickoff that the Giants came ready and angry and the Vikings are adjusting the other way around I think that this game is over by two scores thirty to twenty let's um, put it this way I do not see Jefferson and Hawkinson both having the games that they did last week I think one of them will. I mean, Jefferson may get his because he's elite and he's great, but I think you're going to see the key of this is going to be shutting down Hawkinson. He's not going to have that 100-yard game that he did. Uh, and if he does, we're, we're not going to win. Let's go around wildcard weekend. Saturday at 4.30, Seattle is at San Francisco. I feel that this is still San Francisco, Brock Purdy or otherwise. I feel just... Seattle's not good enough to deal with San Francisco's defense and Kyle Shannon's offense. The cranky wife will be happy. I think San Francisco's going to roll. I think San Francisco's really good. And, you know, Brock Purdy is a better version of Jeff, Jeff Hostetler. Just someone who's just not going to make, you know, mistakes, doesn't have to win the game for you, but there's enough weapons around him, and that's a great defense. I think they're going to roll. It's still Geno Smith. I know he's had a, you know, Congrats to him on a good year, you know, coming back from the dead and everything. But now it's the playoffs. Now you're playing great teams, and I don't see it. Saturday at 8.15, the Al Michaels game. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers are at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Chargers, uh, I don't know what the hell happened where they decided they were going to play all of their starters in a meaningless game against the Broncos and lose yikes you said the same thing when when we were debating do you want to you know keep the momentum going and play your starters in week 18 and you said well what if you play the starters and you lose do you lose the momentum i hadn't thought of that and i think that might have happened here and they had some injuries too yeah yeah oh yeah you're right yeah Uh, it was a complete it was a complete disaster is it mike Um, mike williams fucked up his back or something mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, on the, on the flip side, Jacksonville's beaten beaten the shit out of every single team they played since they got their asses handed to them by us. So, yeah, I think this one's Jacksonville all the way, and Duval, go for them. Good. Yep, uh, same. It's it's uh, you said the Al Michaels game. It's Al Michaels and Tony Dungy, not Kirk Herbstreet. Do you know why? No. Al Michaels, you know those Thursday night games are Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. They're on Amazon. But Al Michaels is an announcer emeritus with NBC. So that means they can bring him back for occasions when they have two games. Kirk Herbstreet is not an NBC employee. Gotcha. So they had to bring in Tony Dungy. Little that's, little fun tip be, that I read today. What? How do you think that's going to go? Tony Dungy is not a real exciting voice. No. I mean, you got two guys that are going to be half asleep. I, I, I said the same thing. I had this back and forth with Snacks about how good Al Michaels is or isn't. It's just he's going to be asleep by nine thirty. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think he, and I don't think it's not that he's not good anymore. I just think he doesn't have that energy like he used to. Yeah, and why I, the hell they keep putting him on the night game? <laughs> because he's Al Michaels. Yeah, I guess so, man. You get a lifetime pass when you, you know, you ask if you still believe in miracles. Sunday at one o'clock, Miami at Buffalo. Do you believe in miracles, or is this the Buffalo Bills? <laughs> On that quarterback list, Skylar Thompson was last. Yeah. I uh do you know where he went to school? He was in the SEC, wasn't he? I have no idea. I was gonna say I don't know. That's how little I know about Skylar Thompson. I don't know anything about him. 
Um, Miami without Tua. Kansas State. I apologize to. Uh, I, I apologize to Julie out there. It's uh, you, Kansas you State. Should, you should apologize to the SEC. <laughs> um, yeah, Buffalo. If if they're if they're not winning for Demar Hamlin, then they're winning just because Miami stinks without Tua. Exactly. Um, the game after ours, eight fifteen game that I'm probably gonna miss most of coming home. Baltimore at Cincinnati. Probably is this the most interesting game of the weekend other than ours? I think so. And you know something, if we win uh Sunday, I think you're gonna hang out in the city for a while. We're gonna enjoy it at a bar somewhere. Uh so. maybe for a little bit, but I mean I don't I don't have the day off Monday like you do. Ugh. Racist. It's awful. I, yeah. I my next my next scheduled day off is uh, Memorial Day. So my stretch is New Year's to Memorial Day, no holiday. Well, you're gonna be taking the day off after the Super Bowl when uh, we're flying back from Arizona. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah. I can't I can't be on the plane and in the office at the same time. Um, yeah, I think that is a fascinating game. Uh, you know, we I've don't know like- if Lamar Jackson is playing, but it's not looking good, right? Well, he was on that list of the uh, starting the, the the fourteen starting quarterbacks. So <laughs> I don't know what that what that means, but um, does it really matter if he's back with with Cincinnati? I think Cincinnati wins. I mean, I think Cincinnati wins, but it certainly matters if Lamar. Yeah, but I mean, as far him. as you know, winning or losing, I don't think it matters. Yeah, I mean, I have Cincinnati winning this game, but me too. I, I mean, I could see. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I guess you know Cincinnati's defense isn't really that good. Yeah, I mean, what do you think is the biggest chance for an upset in this playoff uh, round? Well, we got one more game. Yeah, that's why I'm. That's why I'm asking. The biggest upset would probably be Miami at Buffalo. Yeah. How could it not be? What about Tampa Bay beating Dallas? No, I don't think that's that. Dallas is cold as shit, and it is not. You know, a secret. They are they have limped into this playoffs. On the flip side, Tampa Bay. I mean, they have a losing record, um, but they've have they been steady the last couple of weeks? It's been very strange because you know I've told this story before. You know, I got a whole bunch of friends in Tampa, and I'm on these text chains, and for 56 minutes every Sunday, you would think it is the end of the world in Armageddon, and this is the worst team ever. They got to fire the, you know, the Glaziers, the general manager, the head coach, the offensive coordinator. Brady's too old. And I look at my phone, and those fuckers won again. <laughs> so, I I just think they're not a good team that somehow hangs around games, and then Tom Brady does his thing, who does it better than anybody I've ever seen doing that thing. So, I think Tampa Bay is going to win this one. I just have a very sneaky feeling that it's going to be an ugly game. I think Dak's going to do Dak things. I think Tom is going to do Tom things. Um, that's going to be interesting. That that might be the least home field advantage crowd. I think there might be a lot of uh, Cowboy fans there, but I think in the end, I think Brady pulls it out with another two-minute drive into the game, and they win a low-scoring, ugly game. Well, I was I was kind of wrong. The Bucks are five and six over their last eleven games, so they're yeah. they're just they're just the middle of the pack. But 
in a bad division, playing not in, in, in a shitty division. Um, one of those games, I think, was like a lights out performance against Green Bay or something. Somebody beat the Christ out of them, the uh, the Niners. Um, yep. So, I mean, Tampa Bay is not going far in this playoffs. It wouldn't surprise me if they won this game. I'm going to stick with Dallas on this one. And mm-hmm. mainly, I'm going to say that is because when I look at these matchups, I could see Brady if there's two minutes left and it's a one score game. I think Tampa Bay wins. But if mm-hmm. it's more than one score, it doesn't matter how much time is left. It's done. Because I think I think it's more about Dan Quinn versus the Tampa Bay offense than it is about anything else. That's quite and a mismatch. That might be the biggest mismatch in the entire first round of the playoffs right there. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, Dan Quinn is a very good defensive coordinator. And Brian Lef- Lefwich, if you <laughs> heard what my friends think about him down there, they think he's the Antichrist right now. Yeah, so... To me, that's what this is, and that's why I have Dallas winning. But like I said, nobody does the two-minute drill like Tom Brady. So if it's a one-score game and they're in two minutes and Tampa Bay has the ball, I think Tampa Bay will win the game. Yep, agreed. Wow. So that in, in, in my scenario of Dallas and San Francisco winning and the Giants winning, the Giants would then advance to play the Philadelphia Eagles in the link. Are we going to that game? might be talked into it i don't know as long as there's enough enough of us to not get jumped yeah well first of all i think that is a you go an incognito game i don't think you walk around that city wearing giant stuff it's just for our own safety but i think we 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 ask any of you out there right now who listen to this show and people will see at the watch party if the good fortune happens and we wins who's in with us who's taking the train down to philly with us um, I think I think there's a couple people that would go. I think so, you know. And uh, again, I, I I would certainly do it, but you know we have some work to do first. Um, yeah, yeah. Just not let's not count our uh, matchups before they happen. Exactly. Um, wow. So this was a monster of an episode, but there this was exciting. I'm excited. I I have been looking forward to this fucking weekend for like two weeks now. Oh, it's been such a long. I've been working my ass off. I've, you know, I've been to the garden three times this week to watch the Knicks and I went, got to go to a Ranger game. And I'm just like, with all of this stuff going on and having hardly any sleep because of work, it's still like, okay, what's the secondary going to be like? Okay. You know, what is, what's cafe got up his sleeve? Okay. How aggressive is Wink going to be? So it's kind of the, the, the precious few seconds I have to kind of close my brain off from everything else is, is, Occupied with this game, and I just, I would just it's, feel it's out so in much. Giants land. Oh yeah, I would just if we win this game, and no matter what happens after, just we're gonna go into this off season feeling even better about ourselves than we do right now. And this is again year one of a rebuilding plan. It's far exceeded our expectations, far exceeded, you know what we thought was possible, what we've executed, what we thought, and you know. I know some people like I don't like to be overrated. I don't like all the bullshit. I like getting our asses kissed. I like that fact. I mean, you know, okay, we might have nine games on on prime time next year, but I want to be relevant. Being irrelevant is probably the next to being bad is the worst thing you can be in sports, and we are no longer irrelevant. So thank you to the Maras for hiring this GM, this coaching staff. And for turning this around so quickly. And, and, and the Pepsi and all oh. of the towels with the coupons stapled to them. Hey, those fuckers didn't give us a free Pepsi this year. 
Yeah, we didn't. I don't. Did we get a towel? Oh, we did get. We got two towels this year, and we got yeah pennants. Did we get pennants at games? Yeah, Where I remember I left it after. That was from the game, right? We yeah. Didn't get that yeah. anywhere else? Yeah. Right. Right. Well, thank you for all that stuff. It's hanging up in my apartment. Um, all right, we will see you guys with a very happy Tuesday morning podcast. Uh, reciting the 30 to 20 win over the Minnesota Vikings, as I predicted. <laughs> and um, where do that, we find us? Grub? That episode will be the same place that you found this one iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, etc. In addition to YouTube, where it's best enjoyed. And um, of course, we are on Twitter. We're probably going to be live tweeting throughout the game since we'll be in a group of people, I, I imagine. Conversations yeah. will be happening. Be like, oh, I'm going to tweet that. Blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, just throw that down. So at football w- underscore grump at the cranky fan. And I would say also, if you can't go to the watch party and first of all, if you're going to the watch party, we're looking forward to, to hanging out with all of our, our close friends and hopefully meet some new friends while we're there. But um, I believe that um, Bobby and Justin are live streaming the show from the party. And so if you don't want to listen to Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, who I think are actually not that bad. But if I you think want to turn the sound, actually, but if you want to turn the sound down and listen to them as they are live streaming the game, sync up your uh, your streams and everything, go for it. Uh, maybe we'll pop on there. Who knows? So um, we're looking forward to that. Every, everything about Sunday is going to be great. All right, everyone, let's bring it in for Tuesday morning. Go Giants! Go Giants.